the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Clarity Christian College, formerly known as Florida Bible College. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. As a cheerful ho-ho-ho, Santa looking at sin, that God is not a balance even of those two, that God does love us with a great and genuine love. He really loves us just the way we are. But at the same time, He is a God who is holy and He is just. That's why He sent His His Son to the cross. I'm a sinner. I deserve to go there. Death is the only thing that pays for sin. That's why we have the verse there. And so someone had to die. If I died, I'd spend eternity paying for my sin if I didn't trust Christ. But he says, no, no, no. I'm going to take all your sin on myself. And so when he died, here's a big word, propitiation. He satisfied the justice of God where the justice of God said sin had to be paid for by a perfect sacrifice, by the blood. And Jesus didn't only die and expire. He died and he rose again to show you that he was God. He had victory over sin and Satan and death. And that's who Christ was. And so that's the aspect of God. The God. God's justice is shown in the fact that Jesus even went to the cross for you and me. But it also shows God's love at the same time. Perfectly balanced. The justice, the holiness, and the love of God. Now, for some of us, for just a moment, I think we could see those are great characteristics. God is love, therefore I should love. And I can in Christ love others because God loves. I know that God is holy, I know that as a Christian, a believer in Christ, I can clean my life up. It would be nice if we had time today to have some of you give a testimony of how you once were and how you lived in sin, taking dope, robbing from people, lying to people, broken marital relationships, stuff you've done in white-collar crime on your job and with the IRS and a whole lot of other stuff that only you know about, let alone what's gone on in your mind. And yet you came to faith and God says, I forgive you and your life is different. You're more holy. You're more separated unto Him in a lifestyle because of what He's done today. Not to get saved, but because you are. There are people that are like that. So some of us can begin to become more holy than we were when we first trusted Christ. And as far as being just, some of us now have a biblical governor in our life. We now know what is right and wrong. And so with that justice, we make the right calls to say no to this and yes to that based on the justice that God has. We have some of that. But I'm about ready to go into some aspects about God that you need to know that He's beyond just love and holiness and justice that's essential for us to know that makes God not just the best person. In other words, the, the one that finally got love is God. The one that finally arrived at justice is God. The one that finally got the most holiness is God. No, no, no. It's beyond all of that. He had to be beyond all of those characteristics. And we're going to show you what that is. Maybe an illustration might help you. Some of you know that, that for, for 15 years, Carol and I had a dog. And this little dog was named Dusty. We got him as a puppy from a place called Buda, Texas. Believe it or not, a play, place called Buda in the middle of Texas. Spelled differently. And so Carol really loved that dog. I, I did too, you know, but, but Carol, that dog followed Carol everywhere, you know. And that little dog was so good, it learned so many tricks that Carol would take the dog to children's church. 
And then she would teach a message to the kids about how important it is to respond to God in obedience and how to respond to your mom and dad in obedience. And then she'd whip out little Dusty. And when she did that, the kids would, ah! you know, the little dog's there and wanted to pet the dog. And so she'd put the kids back. And she now did a whole set of tricks. All right, she didn't. She had the dog do a whole set of tricks. This dog could roll over. The dog could pray. She would say, birdie, birdie. The dog would know to run to a window and look up in the air. All right. She could say, go to your bed. And that dog would run all over until it found the dog's bed and jumped in it, turned around and then looked back up at you. This dog did so, bun- so many tricks. But I can tell you this. That dog cannot tell me about how the stock market runs. That dog cannot tell me how to launch a new computer program. So that dog did not have certain understanding, but it had other understandings. And I looked at that dog, and even though that dog couldn't always uh, make coffee for me in the morning, all right, I knew that that dog was a good dog, and I loved that dog. Now, here's where I'm going with that. Like a dog, in a sense, like part of his creation, God loves you and me. He knows that we've gotten, we've coming along, we're learning some new stuff, but at the same time, he knows that he's so far beyond what we'll ever be able to know about him, and he wants it that way, and he says, I still love you. I still have a plan and a purpose for your life. Now, let's flip it around just a little bit. I don't know what went in the mind of little Dusty, because little Dusty, sometimes you could say, you're such a good dog, I love you so much. Yes, you are. And he'd come up and... <laughs> Any of you have a dog like that? Okay. All right. At other times, I could go up to the dog, and Carol didn't like when I did this. I'd go up to the dog and I'd say, you're little Dusty. You're the stupidest dog, the smelliest dog. You're such, a, you're such a stinky dog. Now, he didn't know I was saying smelly, stinky, dumb dog. All he heard, <laughs> and the dog went crazy. All right. Even though there are times that we don't know certain things that God still loves us, there are certain things about God that we don't know about Him and we'll never be able to know. That dog won't know about me and there are certain things perhaps I won't know about the dog. And I'd like to give you some aspects here about God. First of all, it's a very simple one. It's almost so simple that we can't even believe it. It's the fact that God is eternal. The eternality of God, I call it. That means that He has no beginning and no end. Now that's key, folks. That, that's critical what I just said. Some people don't have a problem with God being eternal, but they look at it through the mind of a human or of a living being. Living beings, they say, had a beginning and they have no end. So God is eternal because he had a beginning, but he has no end. So yeah, I believe in the eternality of God. No, no, that's not the eternality of God. The eternality of God is this, that he not only has no end, but he has no beginning. Now that's the hardest part for us to comprehend. If he had a beginning, then something came from something. And so I'm going to tell you right now that in the mind of God, that he, as he is who he is, the being that he is, he always was, he always will be, he is because he is eternal. Look at the verse. It says this, before the mountains were brought forth, we could call it creation, or ever you had formed the earth. And the world, talking about the Lord, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You may want to underline the phrase, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. That means you exist forever and ever. Something must have had been in place in order for something else to be created. And so he was there, the, the forever I am. And we'll study that in the person of Christ next week. God is also immutable or unchanging. We don't hear that word too often, but immutable or unchanging. He does not change. Now, that is an aspect about God that I think you and I would find great comfort in if we really remembered that about God. It can fear us a little bit, or we, we can be fearful of that a little bit because we think if he's never changing, that means I, can, I can't change. 
But the good news is he never changed. Here's a question for you. How many of you ha had an employer or an employee or a relationship with someone that you never knew what mood swing they were in? You just didn't know how they were going to, you know, fee, fi, fo, fum, you know, coming in the door. What are they going to be like? Have you been married to someone that they kept changing? They changed the rules. They changed the policy. Have you had coaches like that? Have you had people in your life like that? Do you know how that really bothers you when you're around a person who is given to change a lot? Well, just like that might bother us, the good news is we could know that Jesus Christ is the same today as he was to yesterday. That he loved yesterday, he loves today, he'll love tomorrow. That means he is like a rock being unchangeable. I can have comfort in the fact that there is stability with God. Now, bottom line for you and me, we don't know what this stock market is doing. I'm watching it very carefully because often people, good or bad, they're tied to finances and money where your heart is, where your money is, etc. And so I know that it's going to affect the world. It's going to affect how you're going to eat and sleep and houses you buy. And it could affect your jobs and wherever this thing is going. And so as I've been following this and reading who's investing in the stock market and how long will it be up or when will it be down, has it bottomed out just yet? And there's so much contradiction. Those that are selling stocks are telling you to buy more or to stay in this thing. Others are saying, I've already lost my retirement. better thing is to get it out, bury it. You don't know what to really believe. I don't either. I don't have a crystal ball. I'm not some special guru. All I know is this. Is that I'm to use my money wisely for the glory of God. Search the scriptures on what it has to say about the use of it. Now watch this. And then I need to trust that if I live for the Lord. If I seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. All the things necessary to sustain my life will be provided for me by God. I have a stable God that does not go up and down with the stock market. He does not go up and down with my blood pressure. He does not go up and down with my relationships. He is rock solid. He is unchanging. That's why I worship this God. That's why I want to submit myself to this God. That's why we ought to want to tell everybody about this God. He's the only God that's like that. All right, the second aspect of God is that he's also all-knowing. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. Oh, I really like that about him. And I picked out a verse to show you what about you and me he knows. Now, he knows everything, but notice this verse. Let me read it to you, and then if you want to, you can mark your Bible. I'm so glad he's all-knowing. Sometimes it bothers me because he can see the things that I do that are wrong, but he also sees the things that I do that are right. He sees it from my heart. It says here, you have searched me and you've known me. You know my down-sitting, my uprising. You understand my thought afar off. Circle the word my thought or thoughts. In other words, you know my thinking. Afar off, which could mean what I'm thinking for the future, what I'm thinking afar off in the past, what I'm thinking now. You could be afar off to me, and no matter where you are, you know my thoughts. Then it says, you comprehend my path, my lying down, and are acquainted with all my ways. Circle the way, all my ways. So you know what I'm thinking, but you also know what I'm doing, where I'm going, where I've been, where I want to go, why I want to go where I'm going, or why I'm not going there, or why I'm staying. Then it says, for there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it all together. So circle the words, my tongue. So in a sense, it's saying God knows my thoughts, he knows my walks, and he knows my talk. He knows everything about me and you. Now, for some, that could really scare you because if you want to live a life that's filled with hypocrisy or you want to live a life of me first-itis, then when God sees you, you don't want him to really see. You don't want to talk about that. There'll be some that probably would not even want to hear a message like this today. And part of that reason could be that, you know, the more I know about God, the more I'm going to have to give an answer, uh, accountability to him, the more I'm going to have to give an answer to him for my life. 
I'm afraid of this God. You don't need to be afraid of this God. He's watching us. He knows everything about us. And so therefore, I, I know this, that wherever I might be, he's going to be there to take care of me, to protect me, to provide for me, to be there in a very, very special way in my life. Whatever he does, it's going to be for my best. Even the bad turns out good because God is all-knowing. He knows everything, and therefore I can trust him. Then God is omnipresent. That means he's everywhere present. I like that, and you can look at this verse. It's already there for you. Where can you go? Where can you flee from his presence? The answer, obviously, is nowhere. You can go anywhere you want, but you can't get away from God. So my thought is this. I will never, ever, 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 ever be alone. Let me speak to you military people right now. When you go off to war, you go off to wherever you're going to have to go for however long you're going to go, the answer is you will not be alone. You know that. There'll be other military people around you telling you what to do, when to do it, how to do it, all of that. You'll be on the plane together. Often you may be sometimes hid behind a rock or a building by yourself for a moment, but you know there are some others that are really around you. But at the same time, when your head hits that rock at night as you're trying to sleep in that dusty desert, you might have all these people around you, but the significant others in your life, like your mates, like your families, like your church, is not there. You will feel awful, awful alone. There'll be times in your life that you're going to have a belief system and you're going to feel like you are the only one on your job with that belief system. You're the only one in your family that wants to live for God, the God of the Bible. And I want you to know that at those times you could feel very much alone. And that's when Satan wants to scream at you, to compromise, to think differently, to fill your life with something to remove the loneliness. And the list is endless of how he'll do that. He'll find what you're weak in, throw that in front of you. But the real answer is to go back to the Word of God, what you're hearing now. And that is that you are never alone when you have God. Do you remember that this, this thought that if... Well, let me say it in a, in, a, in a relational way, if you don't mind, for a moment. When Carol and I are asked to do seminars for single people, we've got a seminar thing we do around the country. We did it before, haven't done it here yet. But when we do these seminars, we come to a point in the seminar and we say this to the people as a single. If you're not ready to live without the person you want to marry... If you're not able to live without the person you want to marry, then you're not ready to marry the person you want to marry. Because then that person has become a God in your life. That person became the need meter in your life instead of only God. Yes, we all have that person that's very special to us. But never allow the throne of God to be shared with another person or group. And that's why he says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Wherever you are, I'm there. That's the kind of God we have. That's the kind of God I want to shout to the world. I can look out of an airplane and see a little Mayan archaeological group of people down there and that whispers that there was some kind of a native person that designed all of that. But when I look at the stars and the universe and this earth, it shouts, it screams of a real God. So he is all-knowing, he's everywhere present. And the last is he's, God is omnipotent, he's all-powerful. He is all-powerful. That is so important, too, for us to know. And it says, I know that you can do everything. That tells me that he can do whatever he chooses to do. Now, after you write that down, you got that verse, look up here for just a moment. This is why we worship this God. This is why we, we, we spend our time studying the book. Is that I know now that I have a God that knows everything, the end from the beginning. He knows what's best for me. It's, it's written in his book. It's already there for me. And then I know that he knows what's best for me. I know that he is everywhere present, so I'm never alone. Wherever I'm at, I'm going to take God with me. I also know that he is so powerful that whatever is going in my world, there's no problem too big that God could not solve. And often, watch this carefully, 
Often the problem isn't the size of our problem. Often the problem is the size of our God. If we have a little God, our problems are big. If we have a big God, our problems are small. It's called perspective. How do I get a bigger God? You don't have to get a bigger God. Faith makes God appear bigger to you. It's when you have less faith, your God is smaller. So you have to take over and do the things. And I don't have a God like that. I have a God that's so big, He knows what's happening. Everything is to bring glory to Him. He's going to stay with us in our life. And even if all hell breaks loose and we die because a truck hits us on the North Shore, as terrible as that is, if we know Christ as Savior, we're still better off because we're in heaven. Many of you know we have a friend in this church that's come here often from the mainland. His name is Mel's Carbonell. Do you remember his sweet wife, Phyllis, when she first came? Bubbly, blonde-haired, cheerful, loves everybody. The last time, a couple weeks ago, she came drooling she put her head on the table screaming hitting people sometimes and you probably didn't see some of this we did when we would go out and he would be there she got so bad she was in the hospital now and now she's going to be put into some kind of a home because with all the medication that the doctor everything that Mel's has done he's been sleeping in the hospital for four days ministry is shutting down he's with his wife can't take care of doesn't know what to do wrote me an email gave him some words of encouragement and then Carol and I were chatting about Phyllis and we were wondering, why does God leave Phyllis on this earth? Why does God do that? And she said to me, Stan, please, if, if I get to be that way, please don't bring me in public. Don't let anybody see me like this, you know, and all that. And I'll do whatever I can to honor her. But the question is, why would such a God that we're studying about allow those kinds of things? Here is an answer. I don't know if it's the answer, but it's an answer. That sometimes it's not about Phyllis. And sometimes it's more about God and what God's going to do in Mel's life for staying with his wife and as a model to us men to take care of our wives when our wives go. Maybe for some of you, you'll have a wife or a husband like this. And when I'm looking at Mel's, I'm saying, my God, there's the answer. My God is what helped Mel's do this. It's my God that's done this. My great God. And so whatever happens, Phyllis will get a brand new body, a brand new mind in heaven, whatever that comes. And Mel's will be loaded with rewards in heaven for his faithfulness to his marital vows, to relieve the suffering, to carry on with joy. Last sentence of his email to me was, in the midst of all of this, I'm on a spiritual high. God has not left me. That's an all-powerful God. Should I trust God's character? The answer to that, of course, is yes, we've got to trust his character. We've given you some verses there of what you can do. I hope you memorize these verses. The reason I gave you those verses is to let you know that even when you don't know everything about God, you carry on and you don't quit. When we also look at God, for some of you, maybe this will help you that are feeling like God has abandoned you. First of all, if you feel that way, it's either you don't know God or you're choosing not to meditate on God because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Or in the midst of that, you're listening to Satan's lies. And I want to come around you right now and I'd love to hug you right now. I'd love to sit you down. I'd love to just pour my love and scripture to you to let you know, don't quit. Don't, don't walk away from this. There is hope and future for you, but it may not be in this life. Don't get so um, temporal that we forget the eternal, and that's why I've given you that verse. So, who needs God? We all need God. St. Augustine said this, We were made for thee, O God, and our souls are restless until they find their rest in thee. So what can we have if we need God? Three things. We can help hope for this life. Let's go through these quickly. I think you've already got the point. I have hope in this life because when I have truth, 
And I believe the Bible, and the Bible clearly, accurately depicts who God is who's so strong that no matter what I go through, I still have hope because I have truth that I can lean on. It has set me free. Number two, I can have hope in the next life. I can have hope in the next life. And I've given you a long passage there, but that next life, it's boiling down to the verse, first verse, verse 9, and it ends with the 13th verse. But look at the first one. It says, If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God who we're studying about is greater. For this is the witness of God which he has testified of his Son. He who believes in the Son has the witness of God in him. And then at the last, in the bold, it says these, this, These things have I written to you. That's the witness of God. A God who cannot lie. That if you believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. That you will live forever and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. How many of you ladies, I'm going to ask you a question, ladies. How many of you ladies ever went to the grocery store and you were looking for some kind of vegetable or something that came in a box? But let's just say a can can commodity that you were going to open the can. You had someone come or maybe your family and you reach and it said peas on it or something, whatever it did. And when you got it home, it's there, it is clearly marked by a national company. You open the top of it and you put something, and as you poured it out, it wasn't what the label said. Had that ever happened to any of you? Would you raise your hand if that's happened? Now, you think my wife, I set you up for this, but it has happened. Now, I'm saying this, while the witness of man may fail you, the witness of God never will. And his witness is that if you believe in Jesus Christ, you will have everlasting life. And finally, we can have value for daily living. I know now that I can live my life because of what God says in the word right here. It tells me how I can live my life here as I prepare for the next life later. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed. Our God is an awesome God. And this God that loves us so much, loved you so much to have you hear this message today. Because he wanted you to engage more greatly and deeper into him. Now you've learned some from God's word about who God is. And from that he expects us to know him and to have our life transformed. And the first step of that is to admit that we're a sinner. And that we need a savior. And that by placing our faith in him we can have eternal life. That going to heaven is not by good works. It's by faith alone. And that's the good God that we have. And the witness of God says this. These things have I written unto you that are now going to believe in the name of the Son of God. So that you could know you have eternal life. Not hope it or guess it, but that you could know you have eternal life. Some of you need to have this encounter with the Lord right now. He is a very good God. He wants to welcome you back. And so if you haven't trusted Christ as Savior, would you maybe say this to the Lord? Lord, I know I've done things wrong. But the best I know how, I'm going to accept the payment Christ made for me on the cross. And I believe that I have eternal life. Now since most of you raised your hand, at other times indicating that you're a believer in Christ, you may not think you need this right now, but can you go back to a time that you've encountered Christ and trust in Him as your Savior? I pray that you will. Your God, your Creator, Jesus Christ. If you'd like for me to pray for you, I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand today, giving you one more shot at it. And maybe today was the day that you finally have an accurate picture of God and you know that you will stand before Him someday and have to give an account. And you'd like to make sure that you stand before Him forgiven because you've placed your faith in Christ. Is there anyone in here by an uplifted hand would indicate that you're trusting Christ to be your forever Savior? And you'd like for me to pray for you. You've never done it before. You're going to do it now. Would you slip up your hand? Is there anyone else? Thank you. 
Thank you. All right, my dear friends, maybe some of us need to come back to the Lord. Just remember what you were taught today from God's Word. Let this be a little bit of a stimulus package from God and stimulate you to go deeper into the Word. Continue this study. Get a good concordance. If you're a woman, find a godly older woman that'll help you. There's a bunch in this church that would love to sit down with you. If you're a guy, there's a bunch of guys that love to connect with other guys to help show you what what the Bible says about who God is. And then for all of us, next week we're going to learn about Jesus Christ. We know already about Him. We've trusted Him. But let's bring our friends to hear this message of who Christ is. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this one that indicated by an uplifted hand that they were trusting you as Savior here today. I pray that now they get a Bible if they don't have one and begin to read it and to see that it's not a rule book to take away their fun, but it's actually a wonderful, wonderful book full of truths, a love letter from you and how that they can respond to you in faith and grace and love. I pray that they talk to you in prayer and not little made-up speeches, but a real child-to-a-father kind of conversation. You love to hear the the prayers of a child. And we're little children now and we trust you as Savior. We're born again. We're babes in Christ. And you love to hear those prayers. And I pray that they'd be faithful at church for any time they miss. They might miss a message that you have for them that you'd want them to hear. So help them to be here for that, but also for the friendships that they'll make with the dear sweet people here at our church, loving brothers and sisters. And then, Father, I pray they'd be thinking about those who don't know Christ, that they'd be faithful in inviting them to hear that message. And then publicly sharing how that they now know they're going to heaven by faith. Now, Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This is Joe Pons, and I want to thank you for listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Clarity Christian College. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the word of God with clarity into every person's world. It's the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. That's makeitclear.org. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please email us at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. That's tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.